Hello, and welcome to The Feminine Gathering, a judgment-free and safe space to share stories of collective healing and to liberate the divine feminine within us. I'm Deborah, And I'm Gemma. We're your hosts, and together we've created this space to welcome you to listen and chat with us as we discover how feminine and masculine archetypes play a role in our lives as we navigate these energies together. We explore how to step into our personal power by expressing our authentic selves. The Divine Feminine has been suppressed for far too long, and it's time we come together to set her free. This is more than a movement. This is a paradigm shift. Thank you for joining us. And as this is our podcast launch, as a thank you, we're giving away one healing and coaching session with me, Gemma, and one tarot reading with Deborah. To enter the giveaway, all you need to do is take a screenshot of our podcast and tag us on Instagram at The Feminine Gathering, and we'll choose two lucky winners. In this episode, Deborah and I talk about toxic positivity as a form of avoidance and how we need to sit with and talk the truth of how we feel in order to heal through painful situations. We're conditioned to avoid pain, but yet without healing, we prolong our suffering. So let's open up the conversation. So I know that you wanted to talk about toxic positivity and something that really came up for me in that is that we'll do anything to avoid pain, but yet we actually need to sit with it in order to heal it. So what does toxic positivity mean for you, Deborah? I mean, I feel when it comes to toxic positivity, I think it, for me, and and in, I guess generally, it means having this overtly positive mentality that doesn't acknowledge negative emotions or sentiments and ideas or thoughts or anything like that. So it's basically being so positive that you cast out all the negative and don't honor the negative feelings. Like you, you, you are so positive so that you don't feel the negative things as a term, as a way to heal, I guess, or to, try to get a better outlook or perspective of life and try to carry on without feeling depressed or or upset or vulnerable. And I think that that's a big problem because we're then saying that our negative emotions what what people deem negative, right? Because I, I don't even think they're really that negative per se. I, I mean, the way that I see it, it's like we have a light side and we have a shadow side, right? And both are necessary and need to be integrated and just need to learn how to integrate these and balance them out. But that not that one is m- much better than the other. It's just learning how to deal with these more shadowy aspects of ourselves to grow. And... Toxic positivity sort of ignores that whole darker aspect of ourselves and it tries to suppress it. Um, it tries to dismiss it. And in that suppression and, and that dismissive sort of behavior, right? What we end up doing is completely ignoring any sort of repressed feelings 
we ignore any anger, we ignore frustration, we ignore trauma, we ignore sadness. And by ignoring it, we're not working through it. And so even though we're staying positive and we're keeping this positive mindset and we're telling everybody to be happy and we're telling everybody to look at the bright side and we're telling everybody all these these catchphrases and everything just to, to help people make them feel better. And really what we're doing is just suppressing them. And I don't think people really are understanding that, that you need in order to really heal and in order to really grow, you need to acknowledge these little like darker components of our psyche in order to be able to really truly heal and grow and I think that's one of the issues that we're having now maybe even as a society just in terms of mental aware like mental illness awareness or even just in terms of personal growth and development like this is maybe where we're stagnant is we've been so we've been taught and we've been I guess I would say conditioned to just be happy and think positively and look on the bright side and keep calm and carry on and all these things. And nobody's ever really telling us that it's okay not to be happy or it's okay if you're not calm or maybe right now there isn't a bright side and that's okay. You understand? And I think that there is a big imbalance when it comes to that and I think that's part of our issue right now is this whole toxic positivity and it's really hard because there's I feel like there is pros to it you know it is it's not bad in itself like the idea comes from a good place but I don't think it's working the way that it was intended to so that's me what about you I I, yeah I feel like society as a whole is conditioned almost to like not want to have those difficult conversations and so Mm -hmm. we avoid it you know and I think that is a sense of overarching conditioning in every platform like you've mentioned the like like keep calm and carry on and like these slogans that are just out there and it is almost inherent like I mean I don't know about you guys but in British culture like it's so polite to say like how are you doing and you respond and you say I'm good how are you Mm -hmm. but no one ever really says like how are you really because for the most part people aren't actually doing okay I think that we're getting better at opening up these conversations and I definitely think that you know the pandemic has heightened the fact that it's okay not to be okay and I think we've become more aware of the fact of mental health in general um, Mm -hmm. because everybody went through some kind of pandemic trauma or some pain or another during that time so we've all become very aware of it and we've all had to kind of sit with something that we never really wanted to sit with like quite literally because we couldn't leave our house so I think yeah there's the side to like the the conditioning of wanting to avoid difficult conversations and that sort of numbing and avoidance of pain and you said about avoiding that darker aspect of ourselves. but yeah in order to heal and grow we need to acknowledge those dog components and we don't want to do that do we I mean who really wants to sit in pain and we don't and you know I said at the beginning that we'll do anything to avoid pain but we need to sit with it in order to heal it and what we actually do and I guess that societal I I call it conditioning it's like a stigma or like a slogan or whatever it is 
that is this toxic positivity is actually just putting a band-aid on a situation which in turn is just encouraging us to live in a stress response and so we're never actually healing or acknowledging that our feelings are there and if they're painful that they are completely valid and I think it takes compassion and real a genuine sense of like authenticity from somebody to sit with somebody else and have those difficult conversations and I I say that from a sense of like therapy or counseling or coaching friendships family you know when we're not having a great time for somebody to kind of hold that space but actually what about the space that we can hold for ourselves and so if we're constantly told since we were children like don't cry or like suck it up um or like man up or mm-hmm. you know people kind of invalidating your emotions then how do we ever learn to actually sit with them right I think that's actually a very important question and I, I was actually thinking of that when you were talking about how we need to sit with our emotions and then my question was well then how but how do we sit with our emotions? You understand? Like, how do we learn in this culture, in this society, right? How do we learn from others to sit with our emotions or just not even from others, for, for ourselves? Like, how do we learn how to do that? I know for me how I did it, but I'm thinking about all these people who are looking toward these spiritual counselors or therapists or like you said coaches or even their friends and their family and they're looking for some sort of reprieve from all like their their issues and everybody's telling them well you got to feel to heal and then it's like okay well well how do you do that without breaking down and if you do break down how do you go through the motions of that breakdown and understand what you're feeling. How do you take responsibility for your feelings? How do you not enter into this, you know, swirling rabbit hole of blame and shame and anger and not, I guess the question is how do you enter into that rabbit hole and then come out of it? Okay. Right. On the other side. And that's a very difficult question and I think that's probably why toxic positivity has become so prevalent because I don't know if anybody can really answer that it's very personal I mean I guess there might be a few general ways or pieces of advice and like some maybe like a top 10 things to do when you're trying to understand your feelings like I don't know there's so much out there but at the end it's you who has to do that. It's you who have to go through that, those emotions and those pains. And it's going to be very specific and personal to you. But how do you really do it? Because there's so many different personality types. There's so many levels of trauma. And how do you heal? Like, how do you feel to heal and not give into the toxic positivity trope is the question, I guess. Yeah, and I definitely think that that journey isn't something that we have to go through alone I don't think we're ever meant to Mm -hmm. I think that you know there's times when something might happen in our life and we find ourselves by ourselves in, in a room and we just need to let it out and we just need to cry 
or just you know unleash that emotion or scream or vent or whatever that is but then I also think at like a deeper level like you said about how do we really sit you know how do we really go into those painful feelings and get ourselves out and and so I do think there is an element of you know therapy and coaching and being with somebody that is able to help you navigate that in a safe space when we're talking about really deep emotional and traumatic experiences because there's only so far that we're ever going to want to go in that ourselves and how we can then navigate ourselves out of that like we don't know what we don't know right like I like until a few years ago I didn't know how to regulate my emotions and even now like we can't help how our bodies go into like stress responses right like our fight flight freeze is going to be activated we can't necessarily change that but we can help recondition it into a safer place so like for example if you're like you're really stressed and like your initial stress response is like fight flight or freeze and I don't know let's just say you turn to alcohol you turn for a drink because that's your maybe I don't know your flight response or like the numbing right Mm -hmm. and so you find a new way to regulate which is like through breathing or through like meditation or from picking up the phone just having a conversation and expressing your feelings to somebody and again Mm -hmm. it's expressing that feeling and, and somebody on the other end of the phone actually listening to you and I feel like there's a collective of that as well like there's I'm thinking now I'm just like there's charities out there you know that literally that's what they do they they are there to be on the other end of the phone when you're in crisis and for somebody just to listen to you and that in itself is so powerful and I think that it is so undermined and probably not valued enough in society as a whole and it kind of almost 360s back into that spiral of toxic positivity because the other side of that is going oh it's okay and I know that there's certain people that if I called up and said I was going for a crisis that this now goes into like masculinity right is that need to solve things but Mm -hmm. we don't always need to solve the problem sometimes we just need to sit with the emotion right which then makes me think because if that's like a more masculine trait to avoid it and it's like a more feminine trait to kind of sit with the emotion then where does this even stem from? And then we can think about our society as a whole and, you know, women's rights. And like, we talk a lot about feminine, you know, empowerment and like feminine embodiment and leadership. But then is this like conditioning? Is this just like what's come from this like inherently masculine, misogynistic world that doesn't let us sit with our feelings? And therefore we just need to keep challenging that and to keep allowing ourselves to speak up and, and talk about how we're feeling and allowing ourselves to heal it. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, where this comes from, I had read, and again, I I mean, I didn't check sources or anything like that. So, you know, anybody can definitely correct me, but I was reading that this sort of stemmed from positive psychology, which is that sort of type of psychological approach that says, well, there was so much depression, there was so many, you know, things going on, especially after the world wars, that psychologists were just like, maybe if we just tell people to look at the bright side of things, it'll get better. You understand? And it kind of snowballed into what it is today, on top of all the other cultural, I'm sure, influences and societal influences that has come from then. But it was this just this idea of like, well, maybe the therapy is just to think positively instead of 
worrying about all these horrible things that we just experienced, you know, and then that just sort of trickled down to different generations. And and now we're here. And it's just so interesting because I don't think anybody really knows that like everything in the society comes from somewhere. Right. And it's just sort of developed and evolved over time. And this is where we are in terms of like talk, like we're talking about toxic positivity because at some point somebody thought the psychologist thought this would be a good remedy for the types of depression and post-traumatic stress that a lot of people were experiencing anxiety and all that after the great wars with the two world wars and, you know, I'm sure subsequent wars and all of that from there. So we're here now and I don't think it's gone the way it probably should have, right. It hasn't really developed into the way that it should have, because basically what's ended up happening is again, that sort of like what you said, nobody's really encompassing that more feminine aspect of just sitting with these uh, emotions and understanding them. It's just been shoved aside so that we can continue with life because life is, it's fine. It's what you said, like, man up that's where these I feel like some of these terms come from not because not that psychologists told people to man up but like I think that the the overall culture understood that we just had to continue and be positive and these sort of terms came up um, and catchphrases came up along the way so it's interesting that now we're here and we're talking about how that hasn't really worked out the way it could have or should have And a big aspect of what you just mentioned is we can't, we shouldn't be doing it alone. And I think that when it comes to toxic positivity, we're almost forced to just do it alone. If you think about it, because people are just be like, oh, it's going to be great. So it's dismissed. And so you just have to deal with being positive by yourself and then pretend like everything's okay. And then it not be (laughs) right. Absolutely. It's it's really interesting when we contextualise it and think about where does this come from? Mm-hmm. Because you're right, it all comes from somewhere. And you've just mentioned the fact that, you know, there's been two world wars in the last, I don't know, like a hundred and even a hundred years. I don't know exactly. Um, but yeah, you're right. So everybody mm-hmm. is trying to, you know, the amount of vet- war veterans and people that have come out of wars with post-traumatic stress disorder and therefore, most likely, I don't want to try and sound like a you know philosopher here, but most likely yeah. people didn't know or have the tools to be able to deal with that level of stress response in the country, right? And I'm sure that in its own right was some kind of like epidemic. And mm-hmm. yet people are then prescribed pills and prescribed, you know, mm-hmm. pills essentially that really just put a band-aid on the situation because there aren't enough therapists out there there's not enough people out there that are informed on trauma you know mm-hmm. I feel like it's really only in recent years that we've even removed the stigma of mental health you know and again I can't quote exact amount of years ago but once upon a time people with mental health conditions were institutionalized and bound to beds and were unable to move you know they were locked in those white rooms with men in white cloaks and they were treated like crazy people and in actual fact they had been through really traumatic and difficult events in their life that had altered the the chemical reactions in their brain yeah and you know it took a lot of work to get to where we are now and we sit here and without that stigma of mental health and therefore talking about pain and the ability to sit with and regulate our emotions and I think that 
contextually, I mean, I think what many people aren't aware of is that there is another way to regulate your emotions, mm. you know, without putting a Band-Aid on it, without taking an antidepressant, without taking some other medicinal, you know, tablet or painkiller to numb that pain. There is an alternative and it comes down to feeling it, you know, to really feeling that pain. And I was actually reading um, an article about PTSD, which was written in, in 1993. So these, this statistic is like nine years out. I'm sure it's a lot more now. Um, mm -hmm. And they quoted in the article that the treatment of pain cost America $63 billion a year. And that was in 1993. So there is a whole institution acting here on like the relieving of pain and the need for people to alleviate pain. And we all want a quick fix, right? We all, and again, this is like conditioning, like we have everything in modern society now in 2022. If there's anything that we need, we can order it at the click of our fingertips and it can be there the next day. And in some cases, same day with Amazon Prime. <laughs> like, right. and anything, there's, there's this instant gratification model that is very prevalent in society now. And therefore, the ability to sort of take a tablet and get rid of your headache or take a tablet to get rid of your depression is the kind of quick fix. But is it really fixing you? Because all that's really doing then is concealing the pain. Yeah, and removing the symptoms. And because you don't, you're not symptomatic at, the, at that moment, right? It removes the symptoms, you don't think about it. And then you just continue to go on with your life as if everything's okay. And that's basically what we're doing is we're removing the symptoms of these things that we're feeling instead of trying to understand and dig deeper as to how to remedy it for good. And, and oftentimes a lot of these, I, I would say like a lot of time we have more power to overcome these traumas or these uh, so-called negative feelings and emotions than we give ourselves credit for. But like what you said because we live in this world where everything needs to be instantly fixed, we don't want to deal with it because life is going and we have to keep up with life. And how do you then keep up with life and also feel the things that you need to feel so then you can grow and heal? And, and these are just really big and important questions that we need to ask ourselves. And I know for like personally for me, life sort of just stopped. And I had to be okay with that. Like I had to choose. Do I continue to go on with life the way that I was going on with life? Or do I make a decision to really focus on myself, whatever that means from here on out, right? And I didn't know what that was going to mean. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And that was probably one of the scariest moments of my life is deciding what to do and where that would take me. And it's been a grueling six years because everything that I thought I would have at this point in my life I don't but I am so much happier with everything in my life now that I ever was before and I think it's because I decided to take the time and understand what that meant for me and what it meant to heal and what it meant to cure my anxiety because I, I suffered I had been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and I definitely didn't want that to take over my life. And I didn't want to take pills. Like I am one of those people that I will not take a pill, not even for a headache, unless I absolutely have to, just because I don't want to become dependent 
on these medications. And so when I decided to cure my anxiety, I think two big components were kind of just going all in and understanding that it was all or nothing and whatever that meant. And what you said about having somebody there for me or there with you. And I, I think I'm very grateful and very conscious of the fact that I had my husband and I don't know how things would have gone had I not had my husband because my husband was the, my number one cheerleader at that time. And he went through a lot of crap with me too. You know, it wasn't like smooth sailing. Like this, these were very hard conversations. These were moments of like my anxiety flaring panic attacks and him having to try to navigate that, not even understanding what anxiety was because in, in, especially in Hispanic culture, Latin culture, like nobody really talks about mental illnesses and depression and, and anxiety. And when in Latin culture, it's like anxiety is locura, which is like craziness, which it's (laughs) talk about stigma and then um, depression people I think understand depression a little more, but kind of still are just like, Oh, they'll be fine. And then depression is usually off set with alcohol. Right. You understand? And so it was really hard for him to help me navigate through whatever anxiety was. And he had to learn about anxiety through me because he just had no idea. And it was very hard (laughs) thinking back. I'm like, wow, wow. But now we're at a much better state, but that was six years. Like who the hell wants to go through six years of healing and understanding and repetition and and going through your feelings and feeling your stuff and highs and lows. And and it's not a very easy journey. And I kind of understand why people are just kind of like, look at the bright side, because it is a very grueling and slow process but it's absolutely necessary. So then how do you kind of balance that out in this sort of highly active, go, go, go type of life and keep your life going without completely stopping it and losing everything? Because I lost everything, but that doesn't mean everybody has to, right? So how do you do that? And I think that comes down to having a choice, right? Like you chose that you was gonna... Right go into this world and take this journey that you went on without knowing what the end result was going to be just I guess knowing that you had some stuff to work through Mm -hmm. and I think in life at some point we'll come to a crossroads where it's like we just keep on going or we choose a different direction and for some people that shows up in like burnout where they're just so they're so hyper vigilant and they're so hyper stressed in their jobs that eventually their brain just absolutely shuts down and can't deal with it anymore. And they are forced to go into a healing journey and forced to kind of go through this sense of, I say that in a way that makes it sound really horrible. And you know what, for anybody listening to this, like, yeah, if, if you've never considered it before and you've got two people going, yeah, it's like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> It's no, like, don't get me wrong, it's difficult and it's challenging, but it's the opportunity for the most growth that you can ever grow through in your life. And this isn't about us. This isn't about us going through a journey to make our lives better, but it's about the impact that it has on everybody's life around you. And, you know, if you have children, then your children and theirs and generations that will follow after that. 
but also in the lives of everybody around you, you know, your parents, your friends, your colleagues, co-workers, how you are showing up in the world, 100% is reflective in the people that are showing up around you and how you're showing up with them. So do you know what, in some ways, like this isn't even just about us, you know, like this is a need for like a collective healing. And I think when you're navigating this space, when you're starting from like scratch and I I get the sense, I don't want to speak for you, so I can only speak for myself, but I know when I started this journey for me, around about six or seven years ago, it was starting from scratch. And for the first four years, everything I learned about making progress and goals and abundance and wealth and all of this stuff, none of it was about healing. It was all very much actually about concealing your emotions and just get the fuck on with it and that's how you're going to get stuff done and so really in the last three years navigating understanding like psychology and like the different modalities which we can access to actually heal our emotions I feel like I've done that from the ground up and whilst the resources have been there for me to find to read and to listen to I do feel like you you could and I don't I say you as in like a collective you can get there a lot faster when you're working with somebody that already has the tools and techniques to get you where you need to go you know and there is that sense then of like collective teaching and sharing because the more we share and the more we normalize the fact that there are tools and modalities and ways to navigate conversations and even just listening to this that makes it okay to like not suppress your emotions is catapulting you like 10 steps ahead than if you didn't know that. And yes, you have a choice, of course. I mean, anybody is welcome to continue living their life like however they choose. And certainly people listening may already have, you know, we don't have all the answers. Like we're sat here like talking about our experiences and what we've learned along the way, but people will have the same for them too. And I'm sure there's people listening that have things that work for them. And I guess what I'm saying is that we need to share more of that, you know, like have more of these brave conversations. Like let's share more about what has actually worked for us and make that normal like normalize the fact that mindfulness and meditation and gratitude and sitting with your emotions and feeling pain in order to heal them are all really healthy ways to heal and live your life and actually they lead to a much more fulfilling path How can you ever be fulfilled if you're constantly in a stress response and constantly suppressing your emotions and your feelings? How will you ever, ever really feel if every single time you feel anything, you're suppressing it deeper and deeper and deeper? And I know people that don't really feel joy because Mm -hmm. they've suppressed their emotions so hard, you know, that they're numb. And so we do have a choice. That just makes me sad you know like listening to that and realizing how true it is for so many people and you know what you said about healing the collective I'm one of those people now that believe that you know Gandhi said that you have to be the change that you want to see in the world right and I really feel that that means you heal the world by healing yourself I think we've we've taken that quote right and we've externalized it so much. Like, we're like, oh my God, if we want to see a change in the world, we got to change the world. And how do we change the world? Oh, we do all these amazing, like, you know, acts of service and things like that. 
And that's fine. I mean, that's absolutely great. And we're supposed to do that. And, and we look for solutions to problems. And that's also absolutely fine. But I don't think there's a big aspect of that that I think that was ignored, which was you have to change. Like You have to be the person to become better. And, you know, as you heal yourself, in turn, you're healing the world because that's the type of stuff that spreads. You understand? It's like the whole idea of like curing generational trauma, like it stops with you, right? And then you kind of can continue. It's the same thing. And with sharing experiences and hearing others and how their journey is going and listening and having that open and safe and non-judgmental space to be able to talk about these things is definitely one way to do it right of, of course there's always therapy too and like you said coaching and other and other methods and there's no one way to you know a cure or health or, or a healthy lifestyle but I do think that one of the things that we do need to acknowledge and understand is that when we go on this journey a it's not pretty and I, I think we have to stop being like oh no I'm, I don't want to like discourage you like you should go on it no like that's part of it. Like we have to, like, that's part of this whole toxic positivity. Nobody wants to talk about the ugly things. It is not a pretty journey. There is ugly crying. There is, you know, like times where you don't want to like come out of bed. There are days where you won't come out of bed. There are days where you'll fight and you'll be very angry. And then you won't talk to like people or, you know, you'll isolate yourself. And it's all part of the process everybody goes through it in different ways and there's different ways of overcoming it, but it's part of it, you know, and understanding that once you get into it, it's yes, it'll be fulfilling at the other side of the, I guess, the tunnel, but it's also understanding that it's nonstop. Right. I think there's also this idea where like we think, Oh, I've done all this work. I'm done. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm such a better person. Like I'm good. And it's not like that, you know, it's a forever sort of thing. You're constantly growing. You're constantly changing. It's being conscious of your triggers and of your trauma and of your shadow side and of your ego and all these things that you have to forever until the day you die sort of tweak and heal and understand and do it again. And, you know, and it's a process and maybe that's the scary part, right? Maybe that's something that sort of scares people that, they don't want to do that for the rest of their life. You know, they don't want to deal with their crap for the rest of their life or crap for the rest of our lives. You understand? Like people want to break. People want to, you know, to be happy. And But I really do think that that it's like what you said. You know, people who aren't don't feel joy because of all the pain they've numbed. Imagine going through all that pain and understanding it and just feeling more more consistent amount of joy in your life, even though there's you're working through the hard stuff, but you're actually happier. It doesn't really, it's like building resilience, you understand, and building a resistance. And that's very important in life. And, and it should, I, well, I hope that it doesn't turn off anybody that is thinking about going through these things, because it's beautiful at the other side. Like I would never, I, as much as I've suffered and everybody suffers, you know, I would never change anything about my journey because I think that there's so much wisdom not even knowledge wisdom that you gain from that that um, is invaluable so I don't know what do you think I think you've described that beautifully and I think you're right you know there is always going to be a sense of fear but I don't know about others and I'd be interested to hear what other people think about this too 
like do we ever really consciously navigate a healing journey like do we ever wake up one day and say okay i need to heal the last 10 years of trauma like very rarely are we that consciously aware right i think the fact of the matter is is that we have to be brave enough to just take the first step you know whether that's getting a therapist getting a coach reading a book listening to a podcast talking to a friend whatever that step looks like for you and feels right for you that is the start of the journey and the time of your life is going to pass anyway right like however long you're meant to be on this planet for that time is going to go and we all have a choice how we spend that time and if if we're in a stress response and numbing away pain and not really feeling anything are you really living life because on the other side of that feeling and that healing a very cliche is what you said Deborah it is that joy it is that fulfillment like imagine I become so grateful now for the just the most simplest of moments like the other day I was just standing over the Peak District in Derbyshire in the UK and I just saw beautiful rolling green hills for miles and a relatively clear sky and I just felt wow like this is amazing like where I live is so beautiful the fact I can just enjoy this view right now just gave me so much joy I was Mm -hmm. able to feel that I was able to be grateful for those moments and we all can joy in life comes in those really short moments of just unexpected happiness and when we're aware of what that is and we can appreciate those moments in our life I think that that's when we can really start to unlock a sense of fulfillment and if there's anything in your life that is like preventing that joy coming in then I mean I can only sit here and like encourage anybody to to go through and navigate the journey and I'm assuming that anybody listening to this is somewhere on that journey anyway to have you know decided to listen to this podcast um but as you said you know we all have a shadow we all have trauma and we all have triggers and the truth is that we're, we're born to grow as species of this earth like if anything on this earth isn't growing then it's dying and so if you're not growing through your life are you really living that's a good question and I think that that's what, what you said about gratitude is very important and the idea of staying present, right? And I think that's one of the hardest things to do because either we're constantly lamenting the past or freaking out about the future and there's so much power and I don't know, it's just this, I don't even know how to describe it other than the word power in being present. and you know, maybe you don't live in a beautiful place, right? Because I can only imagine, I I think about like people who live in cities and in other villages in the world and things that maybe are like, oh, well, I don't have anything to be grateful for in this crappy ass town, you know? (laughs) But then think about your home, you know, or think about your friends and your family. Because I know here for me, there are times where if I'm frazzled, completely and I just oh my god like I just don't want to deal with things I will literally sit down and just look at my daughter you know and I see her playing she's making a huge mess all over the living room and I hate my life because I have to clean it up because I mean she helps me but like you know not not the way that you know an adult could right and help but it's so beautiful just to see her frolic like literally frolic through the house or like dance and sing and 
scream even. And it's just like, oh, oh, that's cute. You know what I mean? And that's when being present and practicing gratitude really goes a long way in, in our journeys because it's healing. And we should probably give more weight to that, both the gratitude and the act of being present. And maybe that's where we can start, right? Maybe that's the first step. Definitely. I relate to that so much. Honestly, some of the most joyous moments of my life have just been moments like that, you know, where I've just seen my little nephew just playing with something and even just laughing, you know, over the simplest of things and just being with those that you love or in the space of those you love. And it really is those moments that make your life. And I think it's a great place to start. And if there's anything then to take away from our conversation today around toxic positivity and please share you know if anybody listening please share with us like if there is anything you've taken away if there's anything that you would like to share around your journey um around your story or of course if you'd like to be on an episode with us too um and yeah I guess for me then that takeaway that first step is what do you have to be grateful for today and we all have something you know like no matter what the condition is around you right now and indeed if it is a bad outlook there is always something that we can be grateful for you know I mean we're breathing like can we be grateful for that yeah there's always something absolutely and I'd be really interested in learning more about how toxic positivity has played a role in some of your lives and how what have you done in in your life to sort of overcome your hardships or your your issues and has toxic positivity even played a role in that or any sort of positivity really and what what is and do you deem it toxic or if you have a contrary opinion of what we're saying I'd be interested in knowing that too because I think it's really good to hear both sides of the story so if you're interested in in talking with us and being on the show then hit us up Thank you for sharing this space with us today. And if we've resonated with you, we'd love to know. And if you enjoyed listening, please subscribe. And you can find us on Instagram at The Feminine Gathering. And remember, as this is our podcast launch, we are giving away one clarity coaching or healing session with Gemma and one tarot reading with me, Deborah. To enter the giveaway, all you need to do is take a screenshot of our podcast and tag us on Instagram and we'll choose two lucky winners. And until then, let's continue to navigate this new paradigm together.